Hello, everybody, and welcome to a brand new episode of all Killer Review Podcast tied to streaming services. I almost couldn't say that word. Like Netflix, Amazon Prime, HBO Max, Disney Plus, etc., etc., etc. I'm your host, Greg Dietz, with me. Always is my adopter weekend. Pretty good. Pretty good. And holy shit, I'm on camera. <laughs> I'm on camera for a change. It's been a it's been a couple months since I've done this. Um, but you know, hey, it takes a lot to get put together enough to be presentable, and we record usually early on Wednesday mornings, early for Greg. Uh you know, anything before the crack of noon is hard to get me motivated, so you know, I'm usually not camera ready. I was talking I was talking about I was talking to my mom about uh, you not being on camera very often. And she goes, why is that? And I said, oh, she just, it takes her time to get makeup on and to get, you know, camera ready. Her, her first response was really taking that, that woman part to heart, huh? It's like, Jesus Christ, mom. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if, I, if people are going to see me, I'm going to be presentable and put together. And that's just that's that's just how, yeah you know yeah. i don't i haven't gotten to the stage where i just run to the fucking corner store for a pack of cigarettes and a pair of sweatpants hoodie with no bra on no makeup on hair pulled back in a ponytail i'm not there yet <laughs> and you know it's 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 on your your time if it's seeing that's the other thing. We record this for the YouTube channel, which gets viewed very little. So it's, yeah. it's really not that big of a deal. No, no. And that's also, you know, why I've not, you know, made it priority. Because audio is where our audience is. We would appreciate a larger YouTube audience, no doubt. But, you know, it is what it is. Um, yeah. But, yeah, my week's been pretty decent. Uh, let's see. Uh, I had to go give blood uh, at the local hospital, which is only a mile away, uh, on Friday because I had lab orders uh, from my primary care physician and from my endocrinologist. Um, and I have uh, a, an appointment with my endocrinologist tomorrow. Uh, so waiting monday all the lab results come trickling in on friday urine results come in on monday <clears throat> but the hormone results didn't come in so i called the lab tuesday morning and they said oh i forgot to do those oh okay well do you have enough blood of my sample left or do i need to come in and give some more vials you'll have to come in and give some more vials well yesterday was really busy and they couldn't get to me and I was, wasn't going to sit there all fucking day. Well, this morning, I was like, well, I'll go down first thing this morning. I'll get ready and go down as soon as I can. Uh, as soon as I can get motivated to get ready, you know, go down this morning and sit and wait and wait and wait. Because there were like six people registering in front of us. And it's just like one after the other. And it takes, you know, a good 20 minutes to get one person registered. And I was like, oh, my God, this is going to suck because I'm going to be here all fucking day. Get in there until the uh, receptionist who remembered me from Friday. And she was like, oh, yeah, I remember you being in here. Let me call the lab. And they called the lab. She's like, oh, I forgot. Yes. Yeah, <coughs> she called yesterday and talked to me about the orders. Um, I've got them pulled up right here. Just send her on back and I'll stick her right fast. Get the get the sample and she can go don't even have to register so it's like i had to wait you know so long to get in there and say walk on back to the lab which is like 100 feet down the hall and then around a corner and then another 50 feet and there it is so it's just like boom sit down pop a vein give two vials of blood i'm done i was literally it took three minutes total from the time I walked in to the receptionist and the time I was back in the car, but I had to wait like an hour and a half, which that sucked. But you know, the, the, 
the blood has been given, my results will be processed uh, before my endocrinologist visit <coughs> tomorrow, which will be great. Um, looking forward to tonight. Uh, you know, we haven't been able to play D&D since, what, the first week of the year? Yeah, or was it that. the was it the week of Christmas or was it the week of New Year's? Either way, that's how long it's been since we played. Think, We've not played in like four weeks, three or four weeks. I think it was just the week in, week of uh, New Year's because uh, I think it was this year. Well, the first week that we didn't play it was because I needed to familiarize myself with the second part of the campaign. Um, we played through. It's a two-part campaign, actually. Let me. Right here is the first part, Horde of the Dragon Queen, as you can see. Um, you know, and it's it took us from what May, <clears throat> May or June to the week of Christmas to finish it up or the week after Christmas to finish it. <coughs> yeah, something like, Play, yeah, something like that. Playing for about playing for about three hours a night every every week. Um, you know, so it took a lot of sessions to finish it. Well the second half of it is called Rise of Tiamat. We're getting ready to start it. But it's not presented as streamlined as this one is so there's a lot of bouncing back and forth in the campaign uh for me personally and a lot more prep work and legwork that i have to do and i wasn't ready to do it in that first week i was like we'll have to wait until next week and then the whole fiasco with the open gaming license and Wizards of the Coast and Hasbro saying, okay, we're going to do this, and you're just going to sit back and fucking take it. And I'm like, part of the community is like, no, we're not going to fucking take this. And, you know, we've touched on the past two weeks in a row just briefly on the open gaming license. You know, it's basically a license that has been in effect for 23 years that, is a perpetual license, royalty-free, um, that allows third-party publishers to publish content both for and compatible with Dungeons & Dragons. Wizards of the Coast doesn't take any of the money. They don't control any of the content, but there are clauses to protect them against, you know, certain things. It's like if you violate this agreement, it can be revoked, but it was, they wanted more control. Mm -hmm. And they're saying, we're deauthorizing this. You're going to have to pay royalties, et cetera. It's a big mess. Then they walk that back, but they're still deauthorizing the original, which sucks because a lot of content that I play, that I purchase, that I enjoy, content that I have in mind for us to play in the future is under that license, and it's threatening to be revoked legally. I don't see how it can be revoked, but that's a court battle for another day. And there's a lot of videos out there covering this. Uh, you know, D&D Shorts is one. Uh, the uh, journalist, Linda Codega for Gizmodo, are you familiar with them? I'm familiar with Gizmodo. Okay. Well, they're a... Uh, an individual. They're, they're, they're a... Uh, they use they them pronouns. Uh, they're a journalist for Gizmodo that covers particularly tabletop role-playing games. Uh, they went on a channel called Roll for Combat and did an interview. They also interviewed Critical Role this past weekend, uh, Matt Mercer and uh, Marisha Ray, at least, of Critical Role. Um, <clears throat> they interacted with me on Twitter last night, which was cool. Uh, but yeah, um, she's... They did. She, she, yeah, they uh, they they broke the story uh, about this whole open gaming license thing, and it's been ongoing now for about three weeks. As of today or tomorrow, it's been a fucking mess. So part of the thing that I did, I was like, I'm not giving Wizards of the Coast any more money until this is resolved to a satisfactory degree. They've got to earn my trust and my dollars back, and. Um, 
one of the channels that I love on YouTube is the Dungeon Dudes. You know, and Monty and Kelly uh, have had an ongoing campaign. They're in their third iteration of it, their third um, playthrough of a, a world that they created together called Drakenheim. First, it was the Dungeons of Drakenheim, and then it was Shadows of Drakenheim, and now they're playing through the third part called Fate of Drakenheim. They had a successful Kickstarter uh, the year before last that funded made over 1.2 million dollars i backed it went all in got the stuff uh finally got the stuff in july or august of last year and one of the things we've been talking about doing is playing that campaign after we finish up this uh tyranny of dragons campaign that we've been working on mm -hmm. well in order to play it we'd have to go through either Roll20 or Foundry virtual tabletops. That's the only virtual tabletops it was offered for, not D&D &D Beyond. Uh, so I was like, well, I'm going with Foundry. Uh, I'd already purchased a license for Foundry a couple months back in 2022 uh, in anticipation of having to have it anyway for uh, the Drakenheim campaign that we're going to run. And then the OGL news broke. Everybody's like, cancel your D&D Beyond subscriptions because that's the way to hurt Hasbro the most because it's Hasbro that's doing this. Fun fact I found out. Hasbro, the parent company of Wizards of the Coast, Wizards of the Coast only makes mm -hmm. up 28% of Hasbro's overall revenue. But they're responsible yeah. for seventy-five percent of Hasbro's overall profit. They make more money from D and D uh, than they do anything else. Wait, what? What? I read that their biggest the, moneymaker is fucking Monopoly. No, no. Uh, like, they're like when it comes to their chunk of revenue that they get from Wizards of the Coast. And I'm, I should be included in Magic the Gathering with this. So Wizards of the Coast, sure. you know, publishes D&D &D and Magic the Gathering. Wizards of the Coast is responsible for like 28% of Hasbro's overall revenue, mm -hmm. but responsible for like 75% of their profit margin. Without Wizards of the Coast, Hasbro would be in the hole. So they're trying to monetize the digital future trying to oh, do yeah, away no, with yeah. virtual tabletops trying to implement higher subscription fees micro transact micro transactions for their vtt that they're been developing and this and that and i was just like no i'm taking a fucking stand so yeah as a result we've not gotten to play dd for a few weeks while i've been trying to figure out foundry virtual tabletop and I've got it figured out enough to where we can finally start playing back tonight. And I'm fucking excited. And there's so many cool things you can do with it There's and that I'm learning. And I would like to get them implemented before tonight. But if I can't, that's okay. You know, time will allow for that. But you can actually animate your tokens with weapon attacks and spell animations and blood splatters and you know it's it, you got to see a sneak preview of it it's just like moving through the map you know when you get to a wall you can't move through the wall the wall stops you and the lighting how it adjusts for your line of sight and what you can actually see in your vision all around which is really cool so i'm really pumped about it but yeah that's that's essentially been my week in a nutshell just uh giving blood and pouring blood sweat and tears into learning foundry so we can get back to playing <laughs> um, how how was your week stressful um my uh <clears throat> my boss is going on vacation this this uh starting saturday and i'm gonna have to go into work every single day until he gets back which is 10 days total how many 10 um 10 Ew. i don't have to work all day every single day but like Friday through Saturday is, you know, full days. Sorry, Friday, Saturday, Sunday is full days. But Monday through Thursday, it'll be half days. 
because the woman I'm working with, she's going to take the other half. Gotcha. So like, gotcha. like and of Wednesday. course, <clears throat> of course, yours the morning half, and she's get the evening half. Or did you luck out and get the evening half? No, it's it's, it's switching back and forth. So Monday mm. and Wednesday, I'll go in at eight a.m. and get off at twelve, and then um, Tuesday and Thursday, I'll go in at at noon to five. Okay. And hers is the exact opposite on Monday through Thursday. So, yeah, next week when we go, because we record this on Wednesday for, you know, to peel back the curtain for anybody who didn't know. Um, so we'll talk about that, but uh, we're going to have to record, like, I'll try to get home and then we'll have to record ASAP because I know that I'll, I'll have to do some grocery shopping Wednesday afternoon. Yeah, yeah. But, so uh, roughly around 3.30 my time uh, next Wednesday we'll have to record, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Okay, Okay. so, but other than that, we figured that out. Uh, One of the stresses was, like, I have to take Uber, you know, there and home um, on my days. So it's, like, 60 bucks a week, give or take. And uh, we were trying to figure out how that was since we don't have a car. Because I would have to do that for 10 days. That's about 200 bucks. So we got lucky last Wednesday. Because, um, sort of lucky. Um. We, uh, there was a neighbor across the street was like, there was a big fight happening. And like the dude was throwing a, like he was turning that fucking apartment upside down. He throws something in the middle of the road that was glass. So my neighbor up front comes out and we're talking to her about it. And like, we're cleaning up the glass. Yes. Cops came and arrested the guy who was doing all that stuff. But my neighbor goes, Hey, if you need help, like with, with, you know, errands or something like that, just let me know. And we can, we can work something out. So I went over there yesterday and I said, so here's the situation. And I told I spelled it out. She was like, yeah, I can help you out. You, you said you got to go to work at, you want to leave at 745? I was like, yeah, I want to leave at 745 to get there with a little bit of time to get ready to, and so it'll be like Tuesday and Thursday will be the only office, but every other day it'll be 745. And she was like, we can, we can work that out. We can get that done. So she's helping That's us out awesome. big time. Yeah. But other than that, nothing really substantial. However, I do have a story for you and our audience that I find immensely entertaining, and then we'll get to our reviews. Okay. So, have you heard the whole Eminem saga? You've heard of most the of the Eminem what? saga, right? What do you mean? Eminem saga? Well, let me start from scratch. You might have heard about it, but... Um, so, Eminem's, in an attempt oh, to... Oh, Eminem's. I thought you were talking about the rapper. So you're talking about the new purple no. Eminem character that some people are perceiving as yes. a transgender representation of Eminem's? Yeah, yeah. No. No, 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 no. No, that's not not gender. It's 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 supporting women. They basically any any um any bag of Eminems that has that logo on it or that 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 picture is mm-hmm. is an attempt to support women and and uh, women's issues. And they added a new purple peanut M&M that is a, uh, it's just a new purple M&M. Because purple is the yeah. color that I guess associates with that. Yeah. So, so I know there were some um, people that were thinking that it may have been associated with trans issues is what I was saying. Or trans representation. No. It definitely wasn't. I can, I can assure you that. However, so after doing this, nobody really batted an eye. No one really cared except for the far right. As they do. And there's a guy named Nick Adams who, um, well, let me show you this. Today, four must hand in their man card because they are a soft, quote, 
beta male feminist who has serious, serious problems. Until M&Ms rectify this grave wrong by giving us all male M&Ms, this boycott will remain. We will not stand for this at all. M&Ms? Okay. So there's that. Now, okay. Oh, he's from New Zealand. Yeah. He lives in America now, so he's, he's got his, like, he's a full American, but. Okay, so that went public. Like, that was pretty popular on Twitter, specifically mm -hmm. Twitter, for a couple days. I remember seeing it, yeah. Then Tucker Carlson got a hold of it. Now, this is fucking well, hilarious. Well, for most of its history as a company, Mars Inc. was known for making candy, Milky Way, Skittles, Snickers, and most famously M&M's, which they claim melted in your mouth but not in your hand. But over time, churning out delicious and highly lucrative calorie bombs was not enough for Mars. Its executives wanted to be Starbucks. Sure, our product is unhealthy, but we're woke, so please don't notice. So in its this is also the guy that Mars was angry, yeah. There you go. M&M characters as unattractive as possible because when you're intentionally repulsive, it's clear you've got the right politics. So the green M&M lost her sexy boots, the brown M&M her stiletto heels. The orange M&M, meanwhile, became a poster boy for the mental health crisis. He was jacking off to M&M's, clearly. Acknowledge and embrace his anxiety because America badly needs more neurotic candy. Then late last year, Mars went further. The company added obese and distinctly frumpy <laughs> lesbian M&Ms to promote, quote, feminism and body positivity. None of that is true, have some more M&M's. <laughs> well, we reported on this at the time and pledged a deeper investigation into it. But before we could complete our investigation, Mars announced that it's suspending its ad campaign. A chocolate vendor promoting obesity was just too shameless, even by modern standards. But at CNN, they were invaded by the news. News anchors. Now he's just making shit up. Okay, so. Well, for most of us. Shut the fuck up. Um, so the reason I bring this up is, is because. It gets better, Mike. I promise you. It gets funnier. They put out this press release right here. You see it? A message from M&M's, yes. So they put out this. It says, America, let's talk. In the last year, we've made some changes to our beloved spokes. We aren't sure if anyone would even notice. And we definitely didn't think it would break the internet. But now we get it. Even a candy, even a candy shoes can be polarizing, which was the last thing M&M's wanted since we're all about bringing people together. Therefore, we have decided to take an infinite pause from the spokes candies. In their place, we are proud to announce or introduce a spokesperson America can agree on, the beloved Maya Rudolph. A uh, little bit of a whiplash there, but okay. We are confident Miss Rudolph will champion the power of fun to create a world where everyone feels where they belong. So, Everyone was kind of like, that's fucking stupid. Like, that was unnecessary because a couple fucking right-wing lunatics were angry that you wanted to support women. Um, now, the, the fucking Nick video is hilarious. The, the Tucker Carlson one, it's not as funny. The jokes around it are funnier, like that he definitely was getting off to M&Ms. Um, or the female M&Ms, I should say. Uh In an attempt to make fun of M&M's, A&W put out a press release that looks exactly like the M&M one, as you can see here. Oh, okay. And it says, America, America, let's talk. Since 1963, Rudy, the great root beer, the root bear, sorry, has been our beloved spokesbear. We know people would know, we, we know, we knew people would notice because really a six foot tall bear wearing an orange sweater. But now we get it. Even a mascot's lack of pants can be polarizing. Therefore, we have decided that Rudy will wear jeans going forward. Not to worry, though. He will remain our spoke, our official spokesbear. After all, he is a, he is unbearably cute and impossibly impossible to replace. We are confident Rudy will continue to champion good food and good times for many years to come. Now in denim. Blatant <laughs> satire, right? Blatant yeah. fucking satire. Here's the problem. Somebody didn't get it. Specifically Fox News. Of course they didn't. Dude. There's there's a there's a 
trans satire parody account on Twitter. The other day, they put out a tweet saying Aretha Franklin's natural woman is offensive to trans people. Just joking around. And of course, all the fucking right wing fucking news media ran with it without even reaching out to anybody. They just ran a fucking story on it. And it was ridiculous. But I remember when Tucker Carlson was throwing a fit about the sexy green M&M not being sexy anymore. And you remember what I tweeted at him? No, uh, I I remember you tweeted at him, but I don't remember what you said. Um, I'm scrolling my Twitter right now to find it. I'm having to go back like over almost a year. Yeah, it was it was last year. He had a fucking conniption fit over it. Yeah, I just couldn't believe that. I I read that this morning, and like I'm like, and like somebody somebody in the comments of A and W's post was like, somebody at Fox didn't get it. Their response was just to do like a meme of like, (laughs) okay. I said, hey, Tucker Carlson, here you go, you creepy bastard. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. And it's the green yeah, M&M right. with, her, with her shell taken off. And then I tweeted this at him, too. Uh, I jack off to these two, and it's nerds. And I was like, have you no shame? <laughs> <laughs> because Dude, fuck so fucking Tucker bad. Carlson. I fucking hate him. Fuck. No, yeah, he's, he's yeah. the worst. Um. But yeah, that story, that story had me laughing this morning. So I was like, I got to share that on the fucking podcast. It's so good. All right. Um, well, let's get to re- taking your time without talking about what we want to talk about. So what we're going to talk about today um, is uh, episode two of The Last of Us and uh, the first three episodes of season two of The Legend of Ox Machina, which we'll start with with that. So. Uh, Maya, if you wouldn't mind giving a synopsis of the first three episodes. All right. Well, I don't have like a short summary. Uh, I'll do the best I can here, but it picks up where season one left off. If you recall, uh, season one ended on a cliffhanger where Vox Machina was being recognized by uh, the sovereign uh, King Uriel uh, of uh, Tal'Dori. Um, and all of a sudden, dragons started descending upon the city. And that's how the season ended. This picks right up where that left off with the king saying he's stepping down. Um, that he's turning rule over to the council. Uh, Vox Machina were heroes. And then all of a sudden, these dragons come in. And it's four giant ancient dragons. A black dragon, a white dragon, a green dragon and a red dragon and the red dragon is the hdic head dragon in charge um uh his name's thordak these dragons just decimate the entire city they kill in a, most in of the population of in a matter of just a few minutes yes thordak by the way did you notice his voice actor uh, Lance Riddick. Uh-huh. Also known as Silence from the wonderful Horizon series. Uh, I was like, oh, yeah. made me happy. Oh, it fucking awesome. Yeah. Love Lance So, Riddick. yeah, I do too. So, Vox Machina, they escape via a portal and go back to uh, Whitestone. They appeal to Whitestone for help, and they're like, you need to go to Vasselheim. Um, so Vasselheim is the strongest city in the land. Uh, yeah, it's, it's stood for millennia. So they teleport to Vasselheim. Uh, they plead their case to the council who's in charge and they're like, sorry, but your problems are your own. We're not helping. We're not getting involved. If they come here and we doubt they will because we're so isolated, we'll be fine. So they're looking for alternate routes. Uh, So they, uh, when they're leaving, one of the council members says, hey, look into the Slayers take. They can help you. Their patron can help you. 
they go to the Slayer's take, and it turns out that uh, Vex and Vax, is that their names? Vex and Vax? Vexalia mm-hmm. and Vexalia? I, I, I can't remember Vax, if it's... Va- Vaxeldan. Vaxeldan. Yeah, that's the one I always get. I know it's Vex and Vax, but I can't remember. It's Vexalia and Vaxeldan. Um, I have to say the full name wanted, in my head. Yeah. They're wanted by the Slayer's Take, and there's apparently a bounty of 12,000 gold out on them. And so they walk in, and you know they're like, hey, we're old friends with these people, and their old friends were not happy to see them. Um, but yeah, they are sentenced uh, to face the patron, or they're summoned to face the patron, they drop him into a pit. They go and they talk to the patron who turns out to be a sphinx. She's like, okay, there are six things that you need to collect. What was it they called them? Um, uh, a vestige. There are six the vestige, vestiges yeah, yeah, of yeah. divergence. You need to collect the weapons known as the vestiges of divergence. Now, in the meantime, Grog has been separated from them. Uh, and getting his ass kicked by an old man uh, in a temple uh, like a warrior monk Uh, but at the end of the episode they're all uh, they're all reunited and they go out to seek the first of the vestiges in what is called the sunken tomb and two of the members of the Slayer's Take, uh, which were named Zara and Kashaw, or Cash for short. Zara is the old friend of Vex, and, you know, it's more like a friend as in, like, I fucking hate you and hope you're dead kind of friend. You just got some news, didn't you? Anyway, they're working with Vox Machina to go it, into... It has to do with what we're talking about. With Vox Machina? Time. Sort of. All right, let me... fucking thing. All right, great show. Let me find it on the screen. Okay. Okay. So with the help of Zara and Cash, uh, Vox Machina find this uh, underwater tomb and Zara and Keyleth uh, manipulate the water and the wind to make a path to the tomb. They all enter. Uh, during traversing this tomb, trying to locate the vestige, they are separated uh, when a trap is triggered. Part of the party, including uh, I believe it's uh, Percy well, part of the te- part of the team split up. You know, Vax is separated from Vex. Um, Zara is with Vex, and Cash is with Vax. So you know, their respective the twins are separated. You see, uh, your expression's killing me, but I, I, I'm trying to get through this. Uh, I'm waiting for you to finish so I can tell you the news. Okay, okay. What they think is the vestige. And at this point, Cash and Zara have slipped off on a different path. Uh, Vax is exploring a panel, uh, uh, a chamber beneath the floor. And Percy accidentally triggers a trap, setting off a trap that kills Vex. And that's where the episode ends with Vax cradling her lifeless body in tears, which was pretty emotional because that episode had a lot of flashbacks to their youth and how they were horribly treated by their father because of their half-elven heritage and how so he expressed to her, she doesn't need him, but he needs her. He knows she's capable, but he can't yeah. do without her. Very wonderful storytelling. Uh, but oh, yeah, these 
these three episodes were amazing. But okay, I gotta know what's the breaking news here. Hold on, let me turn it up. I'm asking you to open your heart to chaos. God, Their second campaign is getting an animated series. It was greenlit. Oh, okay. That's the script right there. Okay. The Mighty Nine. The Mighty Nine? The Mighty Nine. Oh, okay. Oh, look at well, him. Look at him. That's pretty fucking awesome. Oh, fucking congratulations, God. Critical Role. I'm That's for good, it. Dude. I'm for it. Not to be confused with the title Mighty Number no. 9, the... Awful video game? Awful video game that was supposed to be the successor in spirit to Mega Man. Uh, and that was a huge letdown. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Uh, that's awesome news. That's why I, I was like, trying exactly. to not talk over you. I was like, <laughs> sometimes I forget I'm on camera. Uh, um, so I've listed out 40 episodes of The Mighty Nine. And uh, and then they also have like an animated recap sort of thing uh, for the entire mm-hmm. story to The Mighty Nine, um, which I've watched. So I know the story, but certain extent of The Mighty Nine. And it's... It's a fucking fantastic little story. So I'm super happy that they're getting that. And then, like, you know, we just, you know, season two starting off Fox Machina, it's just so, it's so much fun. It's so much fucking fun. Um, I, it is. With these, with these three episodes, what I really like about it is it's a continuing story, right? But each episode yes. feels like it's its own quest that you experience in Dungeons and Dragons. You know, yes. it starts off with the catalyst for the season. Right? You have the you have the uh uh Chroma, the Chroma Conclave. Conclave, yeah. Um you have you know, you get to actually see how powerful ancient dragons are. Um sorry for the water pour. I just don't have any in my cup and I need water. Uh and then and then by episode 2 you don't need to know that. Um it's under the desk. My mic's just really strong. Uh, the the episode two was like you need to go to Vesselheim, right? That's your that's your first quest, mm-hmm. and it was really cool because they you, you get some you get some lore, you get some background based on the characters. Like you know, Vex and Vax are like, oh, this is kind of shitty because they know what's coming, but the audience doesn't, and the other characters don't either. Um, you got a really cool moment of interaction between the characters where one of them said, I'm going to talk to this, this group of people. And, and then you had another character going, well, I'm holy. So I'm going to talk to them. We've literally had that yeah. conversation in D and D. Yeah. Yeah. Cause Percy, you know, he was like, I'm the diplomat. Let me deal with them. And Pac's like, these are holy people. I'm the holy person. I'm going to deal with them. And of course, you know, neither one could get anything that they desired uh, because they're the the council's dead set on not um, getting involved. But yeah, we've had those moments in in our sessions, like when it comes down to players, it's like here's the situation. I'm going to handle it, and then others stepping up and saying, well, wouldn't I be better suited for this? Let me do it. And, you know, I, and those are cool little moments of role play. So, yeah. yeah like, and, uh, and I love that the show, I love the show kind of does that. You know, it, it's, 
it's still a story. It's still a it's still a you know progressed story. But if you know D and D, if you know how TTRPGs work, they 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 show little bits of like how how fun it is to play D and D, and how the characters can re, can interact with one another. But it flows well through the animated series. Yes. Um, it's just clever how they wrote it. Um, because I imagine that that scene with the Sphinx, you know, it was Matt sitting at the front of the table and then focusing on each player one at a time. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and that Which probably that's took such a few a cool minutes. Thing to, yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, longer. It probably took way longer than the show did, but that's, you know, it's oh, a fucking 22 minute show. Um, but then at the end of episode two, we have a direction and, and then episode three has a whole problem involved. And when they get through that problem, you know, via problem solving and talking to one another and going like, I can do this and I can do that fucking rad, you know, they get inside the place and then there's a whole combat scenario. And in my mind, I'm going like, yeah, like that, that's how that, I, I can see it in my mind how it would have played out on a table because that's yeah. how the show was written. But it's so expertly written that my dad can watch it having never played a fucking TTRPG, barely understands D&D from what I've explained to him. He can watch the show and just enjoy it. Yeah. And that's the beauty so, of it. Like, yep. And that's what we're telling um, Wizards of the Coast. D&D is for everyone. D&D is the people. It's not a fucking corporation. Not at all. Sorry. <laughs> Critical Role pretty much said that in a nutshell. Just they couldn't come out and say it. They said they stand, you know, they support creators in the community. Uh, and not so many of those exact words or anything, but yeah. Um, fucking, I love these it's, three it's episodes. Fun. I last yeah. week I rewatched the first season, uh, just so because it had been right at a year since we watched the last time, the, the first season the last time, and I hadn't rewatched it since, and I rewatched it last week just so. Everything would be fresh in my mind. I like to do that if time allows. And of yeah. course, you know, six 20 minute episodes, time allows uh, for me anyway. But yeah, these first three episodes, fucking excellent. Fucking yeah. excellent. And when I say they're fucking excellent, I mean they get an A plus across the fucking board. Uh, the music, the dialogue, the dialogue is fucking genius. It's witty, it's fucking clever. It's, you know, it's dark when it needs to be. It's lighthearted when it needs to be. The fact that Grog found a belt, didn't know what it, the, it had no no clue what it function it served, puts it on and he instantly grows a beard on his face. So fucking funny. hilarious. So and one of my campaigns, that... one of my campaigns one time yeah. we were playing with one of the uh, one of the items that a player of mine picked up. And this was back in like 2003 or four. They picked up a belt of gender swap and it couldn't be removed until remove curse was placed on the item. So it's like they immediately transformed into the opposite gender. They were not happy about that. <laughs> uh, but, yeah. you know, it's like I, these I, are the I, things yeah, that happen. You got to roll with it. Well, well, that's one of the things that Matt said in an interview, uh, talking about Grog's character. He's like, Grog is is a is kind of an is is dumb. He's a little dumb. He's a little slow. He doesn't pick up on things. He doesn't understand things. And he definitely doesn't use magic. So giving him a giant magical evil sword, let's see how this plays out. Like yeah. he goes, you know, some D, some DMs would say you can't use that sword, but Matt's like, I'm gonna figure out a way to make it work because it's going to be interesting to tell the story around that, and it'll be hilarious. And uh, they've kind of shown that with uh, they've shown that in this episode a few, a few times. 
but he doesn't understand it you know, because he's kind he of thinks it's his stomach talking to him he's yeah. like hunger the swords like whisper and hunger to him he's like you're right Tommy I could eat a sandwich <laughs> I am hungry an A plus in fun. I don't know if anyone enjoy Watto. Like yeah, I, I I can't wait for Friday. Like it's gonna be fun. Yeah. Now now are they releasing them on uh I wonder if they'll release them at like nine PM on Thursday night like they did last year. So it'll be six PM for me. But they, yeah, um, a- Amazon functions where they they say midnight, but what it actually is is, uh, I mean, HBO Max does this shit too because you're able to watch. I'm able to watch uh, Last of Us on uh, Sundays at six p.m. So that's awesome. Yeah. So, but um, but yeah. Uh, I don't know what you're doing with your life. You're not watching fucking Legend of Vox Machina. Like, I don't expect everybody to go watch the fucking podcast or the the stream slash podcast. Jesus Christ, that's a fucking commitment. But this show is so fucking incredible. Um. Anyway, let's go ahead and move on to uh, The Last of Us episode two. Speaking of The Last of Us, uh, this episode uh, opened up in jakarta and it was dated two days before the actual global outbreak of the cordyceps virus and we see a mycologist having lunch the military comes in escorts her to a facility they take her to a lab they show her somebody who has been infected with cordyceps she has to be taken home and to be with her family and they said why how do we stop this she's like there is no stopping you know bomb drop a bomb it's the only way you can hope to try to contain it fast forward to present day and you see ellie and joel and tess and they're traversing through the ruins of boston which are heavily overgrown by wildlife uh plant life you know uh, uh, you know natural plant life, uh, you know, non-fungal and fungal, uh, you know, the, we see some interesting things develop. One of the things in the game, uh, was the way the virus is mutated or mutated, transmitted. And we mentioned that last week, spores in the air. Well, for the show, there are no spores because the showrunners didn't want the actors to have to wear gas masks throughout half of the scenes. So fun but fact it, about that, uh, real real quick. Um, they came out with a uh, a um, couple things on, on the uh, HBO Max YouTube channel. And mm-hmm. one of the things is that Greg, Craig Metzen Craig talked to... You say Mason? It should be Matson. I thought it was Mason. Anyway... Uh, um, he talked to uh, Neil, um, fucking uh, Druckman. Jesus Christ, I remember his name. Uh, talked to Neil about how the cordyceps would actually mutate to then infect people, and he says spores don't make sense. They don't make sense scientifically. With the You froze up for a second. Um, He said there would be no survivors because spores are everywhere. And that uh, when it comes to the cordyceps virus in the wild, the way the spores work in that is that they land on the food that the ants or the spiders eat, specifically ants. Um, And that's how that, that happens. He says, however, there are instances where a spider will catch a, a bug that is infected with the course of virus and that's how the spider catches it 
So this led Craig to be like, what if we just make it transmissible by the mitocilia, which is what comes mm-hmm. out of that zombie's mouth at the um, at the very beginning that she pulls it out of the mouth. It was in the grandma's mouth. Yada, yada. Yeah. So spores are not a thing because that's more scientifically accurate. <laughs> yeah. Not yeah. just because wearing gas masks, but. Well, they also confirmed that the source of the fungal infection that started it all was in flour. Um, yes, yes, which is hinted at in the game. Paper clippings you can see where it's like crops were infected by like something. Blah, 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 something. Yeah, they, they said it was like wheat crops or something like that from South America in the game. But in this, they actually said yeah. it was flour in Jakarta because Jakarta is one of the Jakarta, largest cities right. in the world. Uh, and flour makes the perfect substrate for fungus to grow in. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I love the level of commitment to how scientifically possible and accurate it would be. One of the things that I really love that they did was how with live non-dried out cordyceps formations in the wild how the they test mentioned to ellie that stepping on one would summon uh the uh the the stalkers and clickers uh it would summon the infected because the network where they grow underground they can travel for up to a mile uh, to two miles, one to two miles in radius uh, in any direction. Uh, And we see that happen. We see them step on a patch of cordyceps and we see the uh, transmission uh, essentially like it's letting the infected know food, fresh food, come and get it. And it's it's really cool how we see that happen. Yeah. But yeah, this episode there's you know, it's a lot of tests, uh believing coming to believe that Ellie is the cure and Tess telling her things that she's going to need to know, Ellie is going to need to know about how to survive out in the open in the wild because she spent her entire life in a quarantine zone. Mm-hmm. And Joel very standoffish and still willing to shoot her. Uh, but yeah, we see that ending, which if you've played the game, you know how it plays out when they are separated and Joel and Ellie continue the journey without Tess. It's almost scene for scene, word for word. There's some just great... I think IGN put out a video yesterday or the day before showing the uh, comparisons to the game and the show. Did you see it? Not yet. No. Oh, it's. But I already. I mean, I already know the differences. Like. Yeah, yeah, but I'm not talking about the differences. I'm talking about what's exactly the same. It's just the way it plays out. Uh, so uh, people on TikTok have done it. Um, so I did. Okay. I have seen those. Yeah, I have seen those. Like the the fucking dialogue when they yeah. enter the capital is almost identical. Yeah, it, it even almost syncs up to the millisecond almost. Yeah. Uh, that, that's what I'm talking about. So, yeah, the the scene where Tess makes her monologue and everything before Joel and Ellie leave, uh, that was pretty fucking intense. And, you know, and yeah. in, in the difference in the game and the show, in the game it's Fedra officers that show up. And in the show, they uh, they used the the horde of infected to signify how hazardous the environment is, and you don't want to step on fresh cordyceps, and that's why. But yep. this episode, there's not much to say about it without giving too much more away, and I don't want to spoil anything. You know, I've given away quite a bit as it is. We do see our first... Uh, close-up of clickers and they were fascinatingly gloriously gross and awesome and scary mm-hmm. oh love them 
beautiful in the grotesqueness for sure. Well, you know what's funny is like, like I, I, they're hitting all the beats of the story properly. And yes, next they are. Week, next, next week we get Bill. Uh, yep. I'm looking forward and, to that. Uh, let me. I'll, I'll say this much. So the trailer, kind of the the one minute trailer they came out with, kind of shows it, and I think this is fascinating. So if you've played the game and you meet up with Bill, Bill talks about a guy that was with him. Without giving too much away about Bill, because I don't want to do that, but there was a guy that worked with Bill that lived with Bill named Frank. Um, mm -hmm. When you see Frank in the game, he's dead. He's been dead for a while. Um, yeah. Like he's basically off. just, yeah, he's basically. I was like, he's just shoes on the screen. Um, we're gonna get quite a bit of time with Frank in the show. Yeah, I know, I know. And one of the things that Bill says when he sees him, he's upset and. Um, cuts him loose as he's cutting him loose joel says who was he and he's like bill says he was my partner now yes take it take it on face value you just think it's a guy he worked with but no it's not no it's way deeper it's than that. i don't know if the show's going to do that but i hope it does i'm pretty sure it does because in the trailer i've seen a scene of bill and frank together and it looked pretty. Oh yeah, pretty. But much. you know, the show could the show could take it a show could take a different route. Like that's true. That's true. There's, I like I said, I don't want to go too much because I don't want to spoil anything for anybody that's watching the show. But it's like I watched this with my folks, and they have have no idea about this. They have no idea how the story's going to look. Um, and it is like killing me to not be able to talk to certain people about like Last of Us Part Two because. Um, you haven't I've still not played the game through yet. Yeah, I know, and I need Get to. Shit, yo, um, because I know you fucking love it. Anyway. Oh, I know I will. Uh, <laughs> well, do you have? Right, well, let's go ahead and, about... and give a grade. Okay, that's what I was gonna say. <laughs> what grade would you give it? I yeah, yeah, I was gonna say it's just. Uh, a plus. It's a fucking A plus. Like I can't think of anything bad to say about the show. The the intense levels, like the entire clicker scene. Um, like I, I didn't know if the show was gonna be scary, right? I had no idea if it was gonna actually be scary. But my dad can't do horror thing. He can't watch horror shows. And, and but what's he does this fun little thing where he won't shut the fuck up during it because he's so fucking nervous. He would not. He was just like every couple seconds, like, oh, here come the clickers. I think this is where the clickers come in. How bad are the clickers? Oh, those clickers are ugly. And my mom and I are like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> but I knew that he was fucking sucked into the show because he was doing that. And I'm like, well fucking done, guys. Like, so fucking well done. Because he said, he talked to me later and he says, yeah, that scene was kind of scary but it was more intense than scary there were no actual jump scares except for the one time the clicker like jumped over the table and yeah. um or whatever the fuck it was doesn't matter um he goes but it wasn't it was it was it was sparking my anxiety anything else and i'm like, that's good that means you were sucked into the show and he's like oh no it's fucking great like this this relationship this is his words this relationship between ellie and joel is it's so good already. He goes, I know that they, that they're together through the whole show. I know they have to go from Boston to Seattle. Um, Cause that's what you told me. And I know that they're together through the whole thing. I didn't think Tess was going to, you know, her, her fate was going to happen. Um, and I'm like, yeah, I didn't tell you. I intentionally didn't fucking tell you. He goes, but like that scene where she's just a sassy fucking 14 year old. And he responds as a 50, 55 year old old man me and sassy 14 for the first time and it's hilarious but it's also like it's really like he's like it's really it's really kind of cool to watch them grow into what they are and like you know joel's past he goes are we gonna see ellie's past uh-huh we sure as fuck are how do i know because there's a shot in the fucking trailer mm -hmm. also i know that Ashley Johnson plays her mom um, but that's which is fucking rad. Uh, yeah, because I don't know. She was the one who 
John she was Hayes. the one who voiced uh, uh, Ellie in the original games. Yep, in Ponanto. Um, so he's super into it, even though it is a fucking horror franchise. That's how fucking well done the show is, is that my dad, who can't do horror, is in love with The Last of Us. And my mom, my mom, she just keeps going, I can't stop thinking about it. It's so good. It's so well done. Like, I can't wait to sex. Like, you told me that they meet a character named Bill. I can't wait. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Fucking cool. I'm <laughs> so excited. Like, fucking. So- oh, so the guy, I can't remember the actor's name, but the guy they got playing Bill. Fucking well done. It's Nick Offerman. It's Nick Offerman. My brain just could not find his fucking name. In the, in the game, he was voiced and uh, mo-capped by W. Earl Brown from Deadwood. Uh, he played John, or not Johnny, yeah. but uh, uh, Dan Doherty in Deadwood. I was like, man, I wish I could have kept him, but I'm not sad about Nick Offerman uh, at all. No, it's like the yeah. the only character that stayed the same voice actor and mocap actor from the game to the show is the actor that plays Marlene, um, the leader of the Fire really. Fly it's the same Boston. actress, same actress that did Hold the voice on. and what? mocap for her. Yes. What I gotta I gotta. What? Yep. So I didn't. But yeah, while you're looking that up, I also echo that this is an A plus. Uh, uh, Merrill Dandridge. Merle Dandridge, yeah. But yeah, yeah, this uh, this show's fucking excellent. It's a beautiful adaptation of the game to screen, uh, which is you know. Now it's enjoyed another medium of storytelling and it's being just as well received as the fucking video game was, which is pretty fucking well received. Um, this is, uh, you know, and I'm not seeing a whole hell of a lot of video game adaptations in my day, but this is hands down the best so far. And we're only two episodes in. We got nine more to go, and who knows what's to come after that? But I'm sure there will be more. Uh, yeah, it's they've fucking great. Check said, it out. They've said it. You guys hear us like talking over, like say, like or whatever. It's streamyard. It's just not functioning like it should. Anyway. Uh, they they said that or uh, uh, Greg Matson said it's Ma- it's it's Mason Mazin Mason Mason. There's no T. I thought there was a T. Yeah. <clears throat> he said that um, season one will end where the game ends. That's what I was expecting. So, I just know that episode eight is going to be um, the DLC. Well, the there's game. a style delay. Shoo! I hope we don't have to re-record yes, or. Yes. <laughs> I don't know what's up with StreamYard lately. I don't think so. But yeah, well, let's wrap it up. Um, and get it. Let's go and wrap it up. Let's go and wrap it up because I think it's fine for the most part. Um, so uh, next week, guys, we're going to uh, be watching, obviously, episode, uh, Last of Us Episode 3, Vox Machina, um, Episode 4, 5, and 6 of Season 2. Uh, that's it because goddamn, it's been fun, and I touch it. It's, it's gonna be us fucking circle joking these shows for the next week. Um, guys, make sure you follow us on all socials, which are try to keep you updated if we add it. Who knows? Um, so hard to keep you updated, but our but our skin we're busy and I forget. Uh, but yeah, um, go and follow those anyway. Uh, that's also where you can see if the you know, episode's live or whatever. Uh, check out the Teespring store. I'm to support the podcast. That's the best way to do it while also having a piece of merch. Um, and if you do purchase something, let us know. Let us know on social media, on any of the sites, and uh, we'll give you a shout-out. Um, 
Uh, if you want to watch today's live video of the broadcast, where you can actually see Maya's face for the first time in like two months, I think. Well, um, more than just go over to our YouTube. Pain. That link is also down below. <laughs> um, I mean, but uh, that's it for my. Where can folks find you? Uh, you can find me on Facebook under my name, Maya Dawn Fisher. It's a public profile. My Twitter and Instagram handles are linked to it. So it's your one-stop shop to follow me to see everything that I'm up to. And that's it for me. What about you, Greg? Where can people find you? You can follow me on uh, all social medias under Chub Rock Geek. Um, you can also, uh, that's it. That's all I got. I, I don't have anything else. Um, but yeah, so so we're gonna wrap it up. There's a six second delay, by the way. I counted that shit. Um, it's weird. It's fucking weird. So if this sounds a little odd, if this sounds a little odd, you all know why. Um, but that's okay. Okay. Uh, guys, thank you for listening. Always remember, fuck the GOP, fuck the NRA. Donate and help while you can, and we'll see you next week. Take care, everybody.